following Breathe Easy podcast was previously aired for the 2017 International Conference. In anticipation of ATS 2020 in Philadelphia, we've altered the recording to provide relevant contact information for the leaders of the Critical Care Program Committee, Dr. Eddie Fan and Dr. Terry Hoff. Hello, listeners. I'm Mike Lanspa, Web Director for the ATS Critical Care Assembly. Thanks for listening in. Our topic today is how to propose a session for the ATS International Conference. I'm joined today by Dr. Renee Stapleton, Associate Professor of Medicine from University of Vermont, who is the Chair for the Critical Care Assembly Program Committee. Good morning, Dr. Stapleton. Thank you for joining us. To start, would you mind telling our listeners what exactly the Program Committee does? Sure. Good morning, Mike. Thank you for having me. It's an exciting time. So the the program committee that is part of every assembly at ATS is responsible for programming all of the content at the international conference. And specifically, the critical care program committee reviews all the submissions for symposia, seminars, workshops, and postgraduate courses. Um, In addition, we review all the abstracts and case reports that are submitted in the late fall. And then because those are all scored, we then go through a several-month process of programming them into the international conference. You know, one one of the questions I have is that some sessions that are proposed kind of overlap with different assemblies. And so, you know, as you're the program committee chair for the critical care assembly, how important is, is it for someone to submit to the uh, right assembly. If they submit to the wrong assembly, does that get shunted over, or is it basically uh, bad luck that they've made a proposal in the wrong assembly? Mike, that's a great question. So there's actually no great mechanism within the proposal submission process itself for a proposal that's submitted to the, quote, wrong assembly to get shifted to the correct one. And you're right that we do have a lot of overlap with many assemblies. I would say the largest overlap is probably with behavioral sciences, nursing, RCMB, and AII assemblies. An applicant definitely should submit their proposal to the assembly where they think they have the greatest chance of getting it programmed. And I think one mechanism that's nice for folks that have questions about that and are wondering if one assembly or another is better is to just simply ask the committee chairs and co-chairs. So anybody is free to email me at renee.stapleton at uvm.edu. And the co-chair for us this year is Michelle Gong, who's fantastic. She's at Montefiore. You could email the two of us, and we're happy to read through the proposal in advance and circulate it amongst any other assemblies that are applicable. Well, that's great. Yeah, that's one thing that I think a lot of people had not realized is how easy it is to just actually ask ahead of time before submitting. When the committee grades a session or evaluates a session, do they do basically an evaluation by looking at separate parts, or do they grade the session as a whole as far as the the proposal? The sessions, as well as the abstracts, are all graded on the whole. So there's no grading scheme like with an NIH grant application, for example, to score different parts of it. Can members of the committee champion sessions they think are of particular value, or is basically the entire evaluation done by consensus? How exactly do you weigh out different proposals? Yeah, that's also a really great question. So it's most definitely the case that committee members commonly champion sessions that they particularly like, and 
That may be because they think the topic is particularly valuable or it's something new and up and coming. There could be a variety of, of reasons for that. It's actually fairly common for proposals to be circulated amongst the entire committee beforehand so that in addition to the chair and co-chair, the entire committee can offer feedback to people before it's formally submitted. I think that's a really nice mechanism to gauge how interested in the proposal the committee is. And I think if the committee sees that the applicant is really excited about something and is working to make it better and responding to feedback, that always helps. I'd like to go over a couple of the different session formats, and each of them have different criteria. I thought we'd start with the scientific symposia, which are two-hour didactic lectures of about four or five speakers. And when you're evaluating those proposals, what sort of factors do you consider? What are you weighing in when you are evaluating them? Those are a series of, of great questions about all the different, the different session formats. So as of a couple of years ago, the symposia time was shortened to two hours, uh, as you know. And we're fairly lucky in critical care that we have what's called the critical care track. So we have a designated number of symposia slots every day at the International Conference, Sunday through Wednesday, to slot in symposia that the committee thinks are particularly strong. And I would say the factors that the committee looks at when evaluating all the symposia proposals, most definitely highest on the list is content. We want to make sure that the topic is important, that it is applicable to current patient care, quality improvement, patient safety, research, etc. We do want to attract a broad audience and ensure that those symposia are well attended. So the content needs to generally not be too narrow, that the audience would be small. And of course, we hope that the information presented will be really impactful. I would say in addition, one thing that we really, really value is inclusiveness. And so we love it when proposals include a diverse representation of academic rank, people in private practice, gender, race and ethnicity, institutions. And then, of course, we always like to include our international members as well. I think I've noticed that as well. When I go to the ATS sessions, I've, I've always been impressed with the attempt to uh, try to make an all-star lineup with people of all different backgrounds. One thing I guess I would ask then is when you commented about looking at content is if I were to say propose a session on what's new in sepsis, I'd probably be competing against other proposals that would also be uh, uh, dealing with sepsis. But if I did a uh, extremely specific proposal, let's say ventilator strategies for liver transplant patients, I probably would have a unique proposal, but it wouldn't have as much interest. So if you could try to put yourself in the shoes of someone proposing a topic, do you think it's better to have someone propose a popular topic or a, or a niche topic? Mike, I would say that, uh, just to use your example, I would say that if someone is interested in presenting a very specific narrow topic, like ventilator strategies for liver transplant patients, that that topic itself is probably better suited to a meet the professor or a sunrise seminar format. And I actually think that you probably plan on talking a little bit more about those sessions as we move along here. Usually, if someone wants to include a narrow topic in a larger symposium, it's better to do it as 
one talk within a larger symposium that covers a more broad area rather than having an entire two-hour session for either the morning or the afternoon at the International Conference on a topic that might not attract many uh, attendees. And I would say if, if an applicant is wondering if their topic is too narrow or what kind of a session it fits into, again, feel free to email me or Michelle Gong this year. I think that's great advice. I wanted to get back to uh, your comment about trying to achieve balance with some of the speakers and get different backgrounds. I noticed that every time I go to uh, ATS, I see some of the um, so-called giants of critical care or pulmonary rehashing the same arguments. And sometimes I can predict what the talk is going to be just by looking at the speaker and the topic. And so one of the questions that I have is when I'm proposing a session, how do you evaluate the balance between the big stars of the field versus trying to get new voices? And when you're trying to look at a speaker lineup, how much star appeal should I be putting in a proposal versus how many new voices? Really important topic. I think we, on the Critical Care Program Committee, at least, and I think this applies to all assembly program committees, we really strive to be inclusive of junior folks and some new faces no matter what sort of experience that new face may have. So I think you're exactly right. In a symposium, for example, having somebody that's very well known with what you called star appeal is great, and that sometimes can tend to draw in a large audience. But we also really, really value other people that might be up and coming talking about their work and their ideas too. So I think it's great in sessions to combine those two things have one or two people who are really well-known talk about their topic and then have some other people who may have less experience do some other talks within the same symposium. Yeah, I have to say that the 2016 ATS conference, I noticed that there were a lot more new voices at a lot of the sessions that I went to, and I thought it was one of the more illuminating meetings I've gone to because there were so many new perspectives rather than seeing some of these sessions where there's people saying the same things uh, over and over again. And Mike, if I might be able to follow up a little bit on that. Sure. One thing that I often suggest to junior people who are working on developing one of these symposiums for submission is to ask a senior person to co-chair it with them and then slot each of you in for one of the talks in addition to several other people that are diversely representative. So that approach, I think, really helps junior people get some content and organization mentoring from somebody who might be a little more experienced. And at the same time, it also helps the junior folks get themselves out there and start to network and you know, offer their information up to the audience. I think that advice has certainly helped with some of the sessions that I've proposed. One of the other things I've noticed in past conferences is that I see several cute session titles. Is the title something that is valued or is it something that's more of an afterthought? Yeah, good question. I actually don't think that the title of the session itself is a terribly important component of the application. We definitely want to make sure that the title of the proposal is done well enough that it communicates the content within the program for the ICC. So there have actually been times when we have modified the titles of sessions to make it clear that they're pertaining to critical care. And I guess the advice I would give people is when you title your session, we don't have a preference for what you call cute session titles or not, but just make sure that it communicates a critical care aspect to the symposium. All right. Understood. Good advice. When 
I'm at an ATS conference, I think I can almost guarantee there's going to be a session on a popular topic like sepsis or mechanical ventilation. When you're evaluating between, let's say, three similar symposia on mechanical ventilation, what things are you considering? Is it the titles of the talks? Is it the speaker lineup? Is it the academic reputations of the speakers? How are you evaluating between three or four similar symposia submissions? Good question. I think I would say that we probably consider all of the above. And general other features that we would look for as well would be if anything that is particularly novel or interesting is presented in one of the symposia, I think it would enhance enthusiasm. I think there's also a lot to be said for the part of the application that convinces the committee why this topic is really important and why it should be presented, why there's a gap in education or knowledge that needs to be filled general overall organization of a symposium and making it run smoothly and, and making sense from start to finish is also plus. And then I think I already mentioned a diverse representation of speakers is, is always helpful. I think that's very useful. And I think that's going to hopefully help all the people who are trying to get their proposals in before the deadline. I'd like to switch track a little bit and talk now about postgraduate courses. And those are the full-day courses that are held on Friday and Saturday before the conference. And as you know, they can have hands-on demonstrations or not. And they're typically more of a comprehensive review of knowledge rather than cutting-edge advances. In terms of how the program committee scores postgraduate courses, are there any big differences from what we've discussed for the scientific symposia? Any, anything else that you might be looking for? I would say that the... The biggest difference between the postgraduate courses and the other session proposals that we score is that postgrad courses can get canceled if attendance is not high enough. So as you know, those Friday and Saturday postgraduate courses have a fee associated with them. And if not enough attendees register for them, then the ATS will cancel them just because it doesn't make sense to do one of these for just a few people. So one criterion that we do focus on pretty heavily when we grade the PG courses is whether or not we think it's a topic that will draw people in to come to the conference early and pay to attend a course. The hands-on skill courses like ECHO and other things that you can imagine where you can go in and actually practice your skills tend to be uh, very highly sought after. So those, I think, tend to be favored. And then one other thing that's worth communicating about the PG courses is that while they are scored and graded by the individual assembly program committees, the committees send their ranking of the proposals and justification for why they would like to see them programmed to the Education Committee. And it's actually the ed Education Committee that does the final selections and programs them into the Friday and Saturday before the meeting. Well, that's a great piece of information to know. Are there any red flags or any sort of things that might decrease a proposal score? Great question, Mike. I would say that one of the things that we watch out for is whether or not the proposal is fully completed. So occasionally I have seen proposal come through where, for example, the entire two hours of the symposium isn't filled, or one of the sections might be really underdeveloped or even left blank. And that would be an obvious red flag that would 
probably lead the committee to believe that the applicants didn't put enough time and effort into it. All right. Well, I uh, I hope that everyone who's proposing a, a symposia or postgraduate course actually completes it uh, rather than uh, submit something that's half-baked. Do you ever approach two proposers of similar sessions and say, ask if they might want to combine their session, or is it typical that the committee just picks the highest scoring proposal? You know, that's a great question, and it's interesting that you should ask. Last year, we actually had two situations where we did this. So there were a couple of postgraduate courses that were submitted that were very similar in content, and this also happened with uh, a couple of symposia applications. And we did contact the proposers and ask them if they wanted to combine forces and do one submission. And when that happens, the applicants can choose to join together or leave it separate. It's their, it's their choice if they would like to do that. I'd like to talk about a couple of other sessions. Two other types of sessions are the lunch workshops, which are 90 minutes of lectures by a variety of speakers, or the sunrise seminars which are 60 minutes of didactic and discussion by an instructor or an assistant professor. Are there any other particular differences in how these sessions are evaluated or scored from the stuff that we've talked about previously? No, there really aren't any differences. The scoring rubric that we use is the same, but the content of those sessions is typically different. The Sunrise Seminars are meant to be for junior folks, that would like to get themselves out there and talk about their work and their ideas. And you know, the workshops, as you mentioned, are over lunch and are a little bit longer. Both of those sessions, as well as the Meet the Professor seminars, would be great for a narrow area of focus. We had talked about that a little earlier during the discussion here. And I think if an applicant has a topic that is probably too narrow for a large two-hour symposium. Doing one of these other sessions is a great option. Just for the uh, reminder for the listeners, that last session format, Meet the Professor, is a one-hour lunch uh, session with a discussion. I guess uh, one other thing that is probably something I'd like to bring up is that in every proposal, the proposer is supposed to explain in detail why the session is important or what sort of educational needs exist and what the learning objectives are and why the session content satisfies those needs. How does the program committee evaluate or score those parts of the session? I would say that that part of the application is a really important thing to focus on. The committee needs to know why the topic that's being presented is important enough to present at the conference. And I would say overall with the symposium applications, we have about a 20% acceptance rate. The PG courses, it's not quite that low, but it's still quite competitive. So when you make one of these proposals, when you're putting one together, you really want to emphasize why your topic is important, why it needs to be taught to the attendees, and why your proposal is better than others that we might look at. While everybody on the committee is a critical care associated provider somehow, we don't all necessarily have expertise in the same content areas. So for example, I'm a clinical researcher and if I end up reading a proposal on neurologic care in the ICU, that's not something that I have expertise in, but I would want the applicant to convince me why this needs to take a symposium slot. Well, that's very good advice. I'm hoping that uh, all the listeners out there I recognize that it's important to convey how important this session is to the committee. 
So let's say I propose a session and it gets accepted. What should I do to ensure that I run a good session? Any, any tips or advice from the program committee about what you would like from people who actually get accepted sessions? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, kind of what do you do with the next steps once you get the great notice that your application has been accepted. So the first thing that the ATS staff will ask you to do is confirm all the speakers. When you submit an application for the conference, you have to confirm the chair and co-chairs, but you don't have to confirm the speakers of all the talk in a in all, of all the talks in a symposium, for example. And the reason behind it, that is really if only one in five symposium applications gets accepted, we don't require the proposers up front to get confirmation from all their speakers because it would be a lot of work up front that might not necessarily pan out if it doesn't get accepted. So once it gets accepted, you need to confirm all of your speakers and make sure that your lineup is in order. And I would say that other things that also really help to ensure that the session runs smoothly are to first ensure that there's no overlap in content between speakers in the same session. Sometimes if the topics in talks in a symposium are close enough, speakers will say the same thing more than once. And it's good to make sure up front that that's not going to happen. I think one other thing that sometimes happens is that the moderators of sessions can sometimes let time get away from them. So it's really good if you're the organizer of a session and you're going to chair or co-chair it to make sure that it stays on time. Leave enough time in your uh, lineup for questions because the audience generally has some questions. And one hint that I think is really helpful, if you're moderating or chairing a session while you're listening to the speaker, jot down a couple of questions that you think of because sometimes there's time for questions but the audience may not have any and it's nice to have some in the back of your mind if there's that gap in time so the empty space isn't awkward. Any other important tips you might have for uh, members proposing sessions or any other advice? I think you've asked a lot of great questions and I think the last piece of advice that I would extend to applicants, which is more a reiteration of uh, some things I've already said, is feel free to ask us questions about your proposals. I think we can help you guide it not only to the right assembly, but maybe alter the content a little bit to make it more in line with the committee's preferences. So feel free to send it to me and to Michelle Gong, and we can help provide feedback and circulate it early. All right. Well, that's great advice. I'm certainly hoping that we're going to get a lot more proposals from the Critical Care Assembly here based on your instructions. I'd like to thank you so much, Dr. Stapleton, for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. It's been an honor. This concludes the ATS Critical Care Podcast. I'm hoping our listeners will find this podcast useful for proposing sessions for ATS 2020 in Philadelphia. Remember, the deadline is Wednesday, June 26th, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find more details and instructions on the website conference.thoracic.org and click Call for Input. If you want to seek feedback directly from Dr. Eddie Fan or Dr. Terry Huff, feel free to email them at eddie.fan, that's E-D-D-Y dot F-A-N at U-H-N dot C-A. And Dr. Terry Huff is C-T-E-R-R-L-E-E at uw.edu. If you'd like feedback, please email them with your proposals as soon as possible. As a reminder, the sessions that have the least amount of competition are the lunch workshops, the sunrise seminars, and meet the professor. 
So if any of the listeners out there are looking for an easier way to uh, try to get a proposal accepted into the American Thoracic Society Conference, you may want to consider submitting to one of those three session formats. This is Michael Lanspa for the American Thoracic Society Critical Care Assembly. Thank you.